Hello everyone, welcome back and glad that you have tuned in for episode number two of the Continuous Innovation Talk Show, bringing you weekly insightful conversations with digital leaders from all over the world. Our second guest on the show is going to be Chief Executive Officer of Leon Georgia, Andre Malinowski. Andre, a huge welcome and thank you for taking the time to be on the show today. How are you? Thank you very much for welcoming me, Felix. It's a, it's, it's a great pleasure. I'm really excited to join. Uh, and again, thank you very much for the invitation. I'm, I'm, I'm great, just to be, to be completely honest. I'm sort of moving back towards the office this very mm-hmm. day, uh, bringing my, my, my team, well, part of my team, obviously, starting this upcoming Monday to the office. So I'm sort of in between working from home and being back mm-hmm. to the office. Wow, must must be crazy at the moment. Um, bringing everyone back, it's is it is it a monumental task? It it, it really is. Uh, I'm I'm blessed to have uh, outstanding HR and administration team. Mm-hmm. So I'm I, I just came to the office to to join our call today, uh, and uh, we we have a couple of people from my HR team uh, preparing the office for the people to come on Monday. Uh, main to maintain the distance. So we have a couple mm-hmm. of places being specifically blocked. People will not be using many of the meeting rooms uh, in order to maintain the distance. The refreshment area will be closed. All of those limitations, regretfully, that we have to learn yeah. to live with. Yeah, of course. I mean, it's something that we have to do. And what's, what has the situation been like in Georgia? I haven't heard much on the news. Well, quite probably, uh, you. Uh, many of uh, many of your uh, listeners uh, did not hear much about Georgia during yeah. the whole COVID situation. Mm-hmm. Is that because it's obviously a very small country because with the total population uh, not even reaching four million. Mm-hmm. Uh, but uh, looking at the COVID statistics, the, the the country did tremendous job from the very early stage. Uh, with well, pretty rough limitations. For instance, the curfew starting from uh, from 9 p.m. to 6 a.m., uh, schools being closed, just like everywhere else, but right after the first case happened in the country. Wow. Uh, the gov- okay. government introduced really tough measures. Because of that, we only have around 750 total cases, mm-hmm. uh, 12 fatalities, mm-hmm. uh, and, uh, and quite possibly we are already in decline trend because on a daily basis, what we see in official stats, uh, we see like more people, vastly uh, more people recovering than the new cases in Greece. Good, good news. Well, I mean, yeah, well done to the to the Georgian government there then. Um, yeah, exactly. And I mean, and I mean, yeah, and then it's great to have you on the show. And and we're going to talk a lot about um, a topic that I've seen over on LinkedIn uh, quite a lot at the moment. Uh, we talk about leaders and leadership nearly every day in the business world. But today we're going to be talking about value-based leadership and corporate culture and how that can be a driver for growth and innovation. Um, to me, it's, it's quite obvious that at the moment we're seeing um, a lot of large corporations being tested due to the significant changes they have had to make and, and to keep their employers safe. So, so this is it's great. It's a great topic. But as a leader, Andres, when something like a pandemic ha- happens, what is your top priority? Thank you for this question, Felix, because it, it actually goes straight to the points of, you know, this kind of 
immediate decision that you have to make when, when you realize that there is a clear and present danger around you. Mm -hmm. And it goes to the very heart of the organization being the people. So uh, w without the shadow of a doubt, our first, myself and my management team, our first actions were directed towards safety and well-being of our teams. Uh, we, are, we have a couple of locations around, around Tbilisi, capital city of Georgia. Uh, we have our headquarters in a separate office, we have our the corporate sales department in a separate building, and we have our call centers in a separate building. So immediately after the first cases were registered, we've sent all of our HQ people to work from home, just you know, at the push of the button. Then it took a little bit, uh, a little bit of time to switch call centers because of the hardware software issues. Mm -hmm. uh, to switch call center roughly 30 people to work from home and ensure that there's no service degradation. Uh, so uh, without any doubts, the, the number one priority was to keep people in safety. Uh, a little bit of a detail about this, just to sort of give you the idea about the way we approach things. So I immediately run a town hall uh, already online, not in person. And I told the people to to do the, to do the most simple thing. So there were government recommendations how to deal with day-to-day -day behavior. Stay home as long as you potentially can. Don't go to the streets. Keep the social distancing. Wash your hands. And I, w I was having this communication being sent over to people using all means of communications possible because this is what matters most. I mean, like, I, I would not go to be, you know, that guy saying, like, people before profits. But in this specific situation, that actually was... The, the, the story that happened, right? My major concern, uh, giving the, given the fact that I'm the foreigner working in a, in a, in a foreign country, uh, and also part of my agenda was sort of bringing a little bit of a different culture towards the way we do business. My first and the most important task in the early stage of pandemic was to ensure that everybody, everybody are in safety. And those people who has to sort of be outside uh, network maintenance uh, engineers in data center that cannot fulfill their duties from home because that's the specific of the industry uh, so they can move in the most safe environment so they have all the face masks glasses you name it all of those things mm -hmm. were, were were not taken for granted at any point of time so i was in direct contact with the uh, with my engineers team with my network maintenance team in order to be sure that we have everything in place in order to be at, to, to do at most best to guarantee their safety. Yeah. And, and what has, and what has uh, been the reaction from your team? Do you, do you think, do you think working from home is going to be the future? Does this change your, your kind of view on, um, on certain roles within the company? Speak to me a little that's, bit that's, about that's, the situation. Yeah, that's, that's a couple of very valid points. So uh, now looking from the perspective of sort of uh, country reopening its economy, uh, it's really essential to, to get the best possible understanding about what, what matters most, location or quality of the performance. And uh, my standpoint is that location is absolutely secondary unless the, the some functions location critical mm -hmm. so in the, in our industry you have to have people maintaining the network so they have to go to the uh, base stations they have to go yeah. and check if something 
needs to be checked in person and cannot be done remotely. But other than that, uh, any kind of not so much of the frontline functions, equally important, but important from the different perspective, they can deliver their respective results regardless of location. And we've started this discussion with, uh, with my management team to switch from this uh, work from home kind of mindset that, mm -hmm. that, that actually developed itself because of, the, uh, because of the situation that surrounds us to a little bit more uh, sort of broader definition of the, of the flexibility. Meaning not working from home being the only solution, not working from the office being the only solution, but working from everywhere pretty much being the, the new normal. So uh, my sort of objective regarding the office itself is to make this another safe space for the people to work from. But it does not mean that I will expect starting Monday that I will expect 100% of the people coming back to the office. Yeah. Because th there is no value from them being in the location. In a contrary, some of my team members might still see this as a threat, might still see this as a danger mm -hmm. for whatever reason. For instance, they live with their parents and the parents are for whatever reason in high risk groups because of the age, because of the other diseases, whatever. So my most recent town hall last week when I was inviting people to come back to the office was exactly intended to deliver this very message. Office is just another location. Yeah. Beach at the sea resort in, 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 in Batumi, in Tbilisi, which is picturesque. I highly recommend to see this at some point because it's considered one of the safest locations in Europe now, according to Forbes, for instance. Uh, I've been uh, recommended. Uh, I've been recommended Georgia a couple of times. Uh, I think I need to well, make it. Absolutely, you have to. Absolutely, you have to, Felix. It will be my my privilege to have you over if you will make time. Great, of course. But 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 then again, to wrap this up, uh, office will be just another safe location for the people to work from. There, there will be no obligation or whatsoever to come to the office. That this has various in implications obviously we will be looking at our spend on the office rent and so on and so forth obviously there is there will be a there will be a very close look on the quality of our performance there mm. will probably be a uh, there will probably be a, a, a need to implement some uh some very flexible uh tool in order to measure our performance and uh and allow people to communicate freely without the necessity of agreeing on a specific time during the calls but like you know, mimic kind of the office environment, yeah. but outside the office. So uh, long story short, bringing the best of two worlds. Yeah, of course. And I mean, I mean, you've been, you've been leading teams for quite a while now. Obviously, this has been an unprecedented kind of scenario. So you've had to um, tackle it as it came. Um, I'm sure the team, uh, your team have been taken care of. But how, how has company culture changed over the years? So you know, you mentioned a little bit of a culture, um, but where does value-based leadership come in and how do you approach it as a, as a leader yourself? Again, very good question. Thank you. Uh, so let me phrase it in a, in, in a following manner. I, I, I was privileged to work in a specific geography on, on a territory of former Soviet Union. Mm -hmm. uh, and obviously the, this geography, they have something specific about, uh, about how, how the businesses are being managed. 
but they they've undergone tremendous uh, tremendous improvement in a sense of uh, sort of bringing this value-based leadership to uh, to the top of the agenda. So in my personal case, it's the uh, it's the question of you know identifying the thing that unites the team. So it's not enough, in my view, to show the direction. Uh, it's uh, it's equally important to reach an agreement, and I could not emphasize this more. Mm -hmm. Reach an agreement with your respective team. How is that we are going to make it to the destination? Not mm -hmm. force it. So not force it on a team. Not telling them, look, I know better than all of you combined, and this is what I'm saying. Well, what I'm telling you, we need to do in order to make it to our target. It doesn't work that way. It works completely different. So it, it works that, in, in, in my personal view, the best possible way of delivering the results is to get the people being equally involved. And involved deeply in a sense that there is a common ground, there's a common understanding of where is it we are heading and why is this right direction, which puts uh, a little bit of a, of a burden on, on, on the back of the leader because you to being a value-based leader, value-based individual, it's by far not sufficient to tell, look, I know better, we should go there. It's, it, it does not work that way anymore. So referring to your question, how does the, the, the culture change? The culture shifted from, you know, the kind of leadership that like, look, I'm the guy in the front and I know better than all of you combined to yeah. the situation, let's, let's together, agree on what is the objective of all, of, of, of all our activities, how this objective can be compared to the value that is expected of us to deliver from shareholders, to the value that is expected of us to deliver from, from customers, and to the way we deliver this value that is expected from each and every one of us to each other. Because those, those are three pillars, actually. You have to deliver the value to the shareholders, you have to deliver the value to the customers, and you have to deliver the value, which none of those is first, second, and third. They are equally important. So yeah. you, cannot deliver, you cannot deliver value to, to the shareholders without delivering value to, uh, uh, to, to the customers. And obviously, you can force people to deliver the value to, uh, to shareholders, not sort of encourage them to do so, but this is kind of short-term way of thinking, which, 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 will never be, which will never be successful in the long run. In the long run, people have to feel what is fundamental in my eyes, the ownership. This is, this is kind of the key value for me, the ownership of the things. Yeah, if, I mean... Yeah, it, yeah, if you have this, everything else comes naturally. Whether this is facilitated, whether you are encouraged to do so, or you have this embedded, or you were born this way, or raised this way, doesn't really matter. What matters is that you own your part of the business, you own your part of responsibility, and what is equally important to those two, you own your failures, and you know how to draw the conclusions not to fail because of the same reasons again. Love that. I love that uh, because I think, as you mentioned, I think the most important part to take from that is everyone, although the end goal is delivering the results, everyone needs to take part in in some way um, and that's when your your employees feel very important specific even for me um you know whether whether you want to say pillars or puzzle you know you need to put pieces together and involve everyone to a specific goal together i think that's that's something very important 
Um, and I love the, the little bit that you mentioned about culture. Um, I'm quite happy that you mentioned um, the, the word and you defined culture a little bit because earlier on, um, I read a few a few articles uh, a month ago and I actually came across a Harvard Business Review one. And I, I read an interesting quote that kind of stayed in, with me since then. Um, and it said, culture is like the wind. It is invisible, yet its effects can be seen and felt when it is blown in your direction. It makes for smooth sailing. When it is blown against you, everything else is more difficult. So I'd love to get your kind of feedback on, 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 on that quote there. That's, that's absolutely brilliant. Uh, it goes uh, very much in line with, uh, with, with really famous, famous quote about culture eating strategy for breakfast. Uh, which, which I really like because it's, uh, it's like, it's, it's, it's very good bullet point. I have this written, uh, over, over my desk, uh, just to remember what, what really matters because this, this quote of yours goes, goes very, very much straight to the point because th 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 this is in fact what culture means, uh, in a broad sense, it means how do we handle our job day in, day out. In, yeah. and, and, and what is important about the culture, obviously, specifically in corporate structures, that it, the, the definition of the culture goes top to the bottom and obviously goes also bottom up. So no one is forced to accommodate specific culture that he or she does not feel like. And I'm, I, I had a great privilege uh, to work with the, uh, with the outstanding leaders a uh, couple of a uh, couple of years ago, uh, the true legend of the of the corporate world, Mrs. Ursula Burns, was appointed as our chairman, and uh, last year she was also appointed as our group CEO. Yeah. Uh, and uh, we 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 were all myself and my colleagues from the other countries. We were really blessed uh, with with the chance to work with her uh, because she was actually the the, the living example of how how this culture of respect encouragement fostering and ownership looks on the very high level in the uh, in the executive world and should any one of us had doubts that it works we now can really judge by the results by the outcome yeah that that uh, that, that it actually pushes you forward not in a sense that you don't feel comfortable with it, it challenges you in this very positive manner. It, it shows you the opportunity to, to chase. It shows you the, uh, uh, the way, how can you approach the competition? How can you approach the market? How can you build the value to the customers? Because you own this, you feel this by yourself, and you can sort of make this specific aspect of your job your very own input to sort of overall success and this is this is what matters the, the, the key factor here is that nobody forces you yeah it's your, you're country, willing yeah. you're willing to do it yeah of course exactly. and it, i mean it's it's quite clear that ursula had a big impact on on the way that you think now and and you know you learned a lot from her um absolutely and learn a lot of the traits so how and now we just kind of put, to put a spin on it when you're recruiting for leaders in your own organization and given the, the impact that, for example, Ursula had on you, what qualities are you looking for 
to lead your departments and different teams. So when you're recruiting for someone and you want them to lead your teams, so essentially you know that they can become leaders or they are already leaders, what are the qualities that you look in? Very good, very good question. Very practical one to, uh, to tell you the truth because uh, I have obviously a specific procedure uh, mm. and uh, during various stage of the uh, of recruitment process, we uh, we do check the uh, sort of the the skill set. We do check all of those technical stuff. I don't I don't mean to undermine the technical knowledge or the specific knowledge in the area of potential responsibility of uh, of the leader we are just about to hire. But uh, I generally don't participate uh, during during the whole process. But I. From the day one in, in, in Vion, I I asked to sh a little bit adjust the process and give me the chance to participate on the very final sort of pre-offer kind of stage. So final discussion with potential leader, be this CEO minus one, minus two, or even individual contributor. Uh, the final discussion is with me. Uh, mm -hmm. And the, the, the intention of this discussion is to understand in, in terms of headcount, we are not that big company. We are 350 something people uh, with, uh, with, uh, with core team not changing much throughout, throughout the last couple of years. Uh, and with new joiners, obviously, I, I, I do this final interview session. And then within a month during the trial period, during probation period, I do a little bit of a wrap up after after first month. But coming back to your question. I do search for two qualities. Uh, courage to speak freely, mm -hmm. uh, which in my eyes defines potential leader. Because if you are telling to your superior whatever it is that she or he wants to hear, it basically disqualifies you. Yeah. And, and this, this, is, this is something really important. Uh, so for instance, just to give you the very, very recent example. What I'm asking about is that we are honored with your application. It's a pleasure to have you on, on this interview session. Would you kindly share the reasons behind you've considered our company as a place you want to apply to? And it's pretty easy to understand that people will tell you the nice sounding sentences in order to butter you up and tell you that look, you're yeah. a nice company. We, 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 there, there are a lot of the, the people talking about you like uh, you have a nice office, it's located in a park and it's not long commute and so on and so forth. Yeah. And, and in, in this specific situations, I'm trying to challenge people. Okay, we, I know we have nice office, but you work now in some other location, in some other businesses, and you don't changing your job just because we have a nice looking office. So what is in, in, inside of this company that makes you considering us as your next potential employer? And then, then people generally disclose. They said, I know you're, you're, you're a cool company because you invest in people. I saw yeah. a couple of messages being spread around over Facebook, over various social media, uh, where people express gratitude that they have uh, granted access to various online learning platform and they can grow all by themselves. I know you have internal mentorship program. I know you have a very specific culture, which is based on you being in the national company, covering a lot of different markets, which again opens the, uh, the, the chance for me to grow outside my native country and so on and yeah. so forth. So this is sort of a number one thing. Number two is if we have a common ground, 
common ground being if we respect each other, if we respect the others, because that's 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 absolute that's absolute key. I I would probably have a very big trouble to accept working with an individual, for instance, screaming or uh, or using non-parliamentary phrases or or showing disrespect to anybody in any in any way yeah uh that that is that is that is quite probably something that would that would disqualify even even really high potential individuals if there's the, if if those competencies those sort of interpersonal yeah, those signs yeah yep so to, to go directly to your question being brave to talk really <clears throat> and uh and have the set of values that we can share those are two two most important issues the two most important factors well i mean yeah if there's any listeners that want to join Vion georgia they just got a, a great insight into what you think um but i think you know it's two great qualities that you're looking for there and i think it it, it comes straight away from what you've learned over your years uh, as a exactly leader okay. um uh, and again it's just something that uh, you know it's really motivating for for anyone that's working for a company um but i think i mean we, we've had a great discussion i think we can uh, wrap this up it's inspiring to see how how you're leading your team in georgia uh, but especially to see how corporate culture uh, and value-based leadership is, is in the core of your strategy and how you've used it across the years where you've learned it from uh, for example with with mentors such as ursula um and it's huge to grow in your business uh not growing yourself personally as well but growing as a business and, and making sure that that you're getting to those goals uh, back to what you mentioned earlier on in, in in the podcast but i mean andre a huge thank you for your time today um and i hope in you you and the, and the rest of the Leon team can can slowly get back to normal <laughs> Although exactly. <laughs> this this new normal, um, yep. I don't even know if we can call it normal. It might change. Um, I think this this is exactly why why I called it continuous innovation because these kind of topics are just going to continuously change and innovate business how we know it. Um, but a huge thank you, Andre. My pleasure, Felix. Thank you very much for having me. It was it was really exciting to to, to chat with you. We, we we've we've covered very very interesting things, uh, and I believe uh, well. I'm convinced after after you've started this, uh, I'm convinced that there will be uh, there will be a, a little bit at least of the, a little bit of the value that I could provide to to your listeners. Yeah, that's that's the overall goal here. So uh, thank you very much to the to all of you that have tuned in. Thanks again. Listen to listen to episode two. And uh, we're going to wrap this up. We're going to be back next Wednesday, uh, five o'clock, um, as always, with a brand new topic. And um, thanks again, Andre. Thanks again to all of you. 